Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to Truth For Today, and we are going through a study on the dynamics of prayer, and we've been in this study for maybe a month, and We're going over five different sections of the dynamics of prayer. And each section is very relevant uh, to your life, my life, and uh, the importance of prayer, the power of prayer, the communion of prayer, the equipping of prayer, how prayer equips you, and the accomplishment of prayer, how it opens up so many doors for you and opens up so many opportunities and gets I'll get you where you need to need to go. So I'm gonna not gonna waste any more time. I'm gonna start this uh, particular section on the communion of prayer. Oh, how important it is to have fellowship with God in prayer. Remember, prayer is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Uh, we're we're conversing with God. We're talking to God, and then we're listening. We're being quiet. We're listening. Uh, to what the Lord is wanting to communicate to us, uh, either you know through uh, the still small voice or the inner witness or perception or whatever. There, in fact, there's even other ways that God communicates to people uh, in prayer. Uh, with Peter uh, in the Book of Acts, he gave him a vision. Uh, with uh, Cornelius, uh, he had a vision. Ananias had a vision. So. Uh, visions was another uh, mode uh, that God used to communicate with people in prayer. And it says in the last days that your uh, young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. So that's an important part of prayer. You know, God is supernatural. Uh, You know, he's, uh, the Bible says that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the Bible also says it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Energized zoe in the Greek life, which is the God kind of life. So, and that's uh, John uh, chapter 6, verse 63. Now, I'm going to get into a very wonderful uh, passage of scripture here in Psalm 91. This is something that you can pray every day for yourself and for uh, your loved ones. Uh, It's a prayer of divine protection, among other things, but also uh, there's a communion, uh, fellowship with God involved with this prayer. And Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and fellowship with him and he with me. So uh, the Lord promises fellowship if we just open the door. And the way we commune with God is is really through prayer. Now, God speaks to us uh, through the Word, but when we uh, converse with God, it's mainly through prayer. Uh, and, and, of course, we can do it in worship, praise and worship as well. But I'm going to begin to read this psalm. Now, I'm going to be reading out the King James Version. So uh, it's a little bit, it's a little archaic, but I, I like it. It's, it's very accurate 
translation. It's a word-for-word translation of the Bible, like the New American Standard Bible. So I use those uh, translations quite often. Uh, And so let's get into it. Psalm 91 and verse 1. And this is a great prayer. Many, many uh, military people in combat have prayed this every day. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Now that's prayer. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now that word shadow is very interesting because, you know, when Peter, uh, in the book of Acts chapter 5, you know, after the day of Pentecost and the anointing of God was so strong on him, the presence of God was so strong on him, it says that they brought the sick and laid them in the streets, and Peter uh, walked uh, through all the uh, all the people laying there in the streets, and if his shadow, if his shadow uh, even came over them, they were healed. Pretty amazing, huh? And so Peter's shadow at that point was the shadow of the Lord, healing all those people that they laid in the streets. So God's shadow can get on you, and you can also dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. And it says in another translation, under the shadow of the Almighty, whom no foe can penetrate. So uh, you're in a safe place there. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, and he's talking to God really, and uh, you know, this is the King James, so some of the verb tenses are a little bit, uh, you know, maybe not extremely accurate, but just get the, the spirit of it as I read this. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence or plague. He shall cover you with his feathers or pinions and under his wings shall you trust. His truth is your shield and buckler. This is talking about intimacy with God in prayer. This is talking about communion of prayer. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that God is intimate with the upright. So prayer brings you into a place of intimacy with God to where your heart is sensitive and responsive to his spirit and his voice and his presence, and he will literally communicate things to you. Spirit to spirit. The Bible says uh, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. We're a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. But the Bible also talks about that God is a spirit and also says in the book of Hebrews that he is the father of spirits. So God is a spirit and he communicates to us spirit to spirit, his Holy Spirit to our human spirit. Of course, if you're born again and you have Jesus in your life, uh, the Bible says you're a temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you. Bible also says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So 
if he's in us, how is he in us? In the person of the Holy Spirit. So here it says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the trap of the devil, and from the noisome pestilence or plagues. He shall cover thee with his feathers or pinions, and under his wings, boy, that's being very close with God, isn't it? Under his wings you shall seek refuge. Those who trust in the Lord, he will cause them to mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall walk and not be weary, and they shall uh, not faint at anything that they're facing. That is Isaiah 40. So here he is, and then it says, his truth, oh yeah, his truth, shall be thy shield and buckler. There's another verse in Psalms that says, his truth has preserved me. Truth will preserve you from trouble and from all the lies of the devil and the deceitfulness of man. Verse five, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand shall fall by your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Another translation says, it shall not approach you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord your refuge. Even the most high your dwelling place. There shall no evil befall you. Well, that's a good verse to claim. No evil shall befall me. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. I, uh, I claim that every day during that COVID epidemic, and I never got it. I said, no evil shall befall me, nor will any plague come near my tent. I took, you know, precautions in the natural, but I was also taking precautions in the spiritual realm. Because thou hast made the Lord your refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, there shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your tent. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. You know, I do have some experience with this, and I'm not, you know, whatever, boasting about it. But, you know, I've been in foreign countries where I needed divine protection, and I could, I could sense the presence of angels. I've been deep into some places on this earth, in Asia, Siberia, in mountainous areas, desert areas, you name it. 
But I, I, I knew that the angels were guarding me. How did I know that? Because the Word of God, the Word of God declares that they're there, that they're ministering spirits sent to minister to those that will inherit salvation. That's in uh, Hebrews chapter 1. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all your ways. They shall bear you up with their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. This is talking about demonic forces here, making reference to them. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. Remember, the Bible says, be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion. The thing is, you got to remember about the roaring lion, the devil, he has no teeth. He's had all of his teeth extracted by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All he can do is lie. He has no power to hurt or harm us. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing in any way shall harm you. So here in the Old Testament, it's talking about thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample under your feet. That's exactly where Jesus put the devil. He's under our feet. Because we've been raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So he has given us authority. In Matthew 28, if you read the last four or five verses of the Great Commission, Jesus said, go therefore into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For lo, he said, well, he said, for all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am, there he is, I am. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So I am is with us. <laughs> if I am is with us, the Lord Jesus Christ, who can be against us? And this, now in the last three verses of this psalm, it's very, very wonderful. Because he hath set his love upon me. God knows if you love him. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. There's authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, behold, I will do it. And there's many, many references to the name of Jesus. Maybe we'll do a series on that in the coming podcasts. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. In the book of Isaiah, there's a verse that says, in the latter days that God's people will know his name. 
And that's referring to uh, the power and the glory of his name. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now let's break this down a little bit because there's so much in these last three verses in Psalm 91. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. That's, I honestly believe it's talking about praise and worship. You know, and praise and worship is where, is where we pour out our love and our heart to the Lord in, in gratefulness and, and worship and adoration. But in the realm of the Spirit, I, I know it's doing something. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. A lot of people get deliverance or relief just by worshiping God. That's why the devil hates praise and worship. I will set him on high. God says, I'll set you on high because you have known my name. In other words, I'll set you above your troubles, your trials, your tests, your difficulties. I'll set you on high. Because you have known my name. In other words, you have an intimate relationship with him. He knows you by name and you know him by name. That word know many times in the New Testament is the Greek word gnosko and it means intimacy, personal, knowing. And then in verse 15, and he shall call upon me and I will answer him. In other words, you'll have a confidence in prayer that when you call upon the Lord in prayer, you'll have a knowing that he's hearing your prayer. And the Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked of him. You can walk away from your prayer time with absolute confidence that God has heard you, and if you know that he's heard you, you know that you have the requests which you have made of him. That's a pretty powerful promise. And besides, if you're really praying, and you're praying God's way, you're praying, you know, in the spirit and not, you know, in some kind of uh, religious prayer that's bringing you down and depressing you, if you're really praying in the Spirit, you're going to come out of prayer with joy and life on you. If you're not coming out of prayer, if you're coming out of prayer with a heaviness still on you, you have not met with the Lord in prayer. And you need to learn how to walk in, in the Spirit Live in the Spirit because as you pray by the Spirit and in the Spirit of God, you'll, it'll give you life. And you'll walk out of your prayer times with life, with every burden lifted. No weights on you, no heaviness on you. You'll feel as light as a feather. People say, oh, come on. Oh, really? 
Well, I've been experiencing it for decades. I mean, I got life on me this morning and I, I had very little sleep last night. I've been working, working, working. But you know what? I got life. I got life because I got the Spirit of the Lord in me. The Bible says, uh, Jesus said in John 6, 63, I mentioned it previously, but he said, it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. For the Word of God is living and active or quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. What that's talking about is the Spirit of God will get down so deep in your soul, it'll actually affect your bones. That's how powerful the Word of God is. It penetrates every part of your being spirit, soul, and body. And the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is that? That word renewing, uh, the Greek word, it means to renovate. You can even get the word remodel out of that or renew. In other words, the word of God renews your mind, renews you. Renews your spirit and your soul to where that you're not under it, you're over it. People say, well, you know, I, I don't need any of that Holy Spirit stuff. Well, I guess you don't need all this stuff then because to get it, you got to be in the spirit. <laughs> you got to be in the spirit of God. Jesus said, until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be made full. You know, Jesus is all about joy. I know you see a lot of pictures of Jesus hanging on the cross, and there's a purpose for that, to show that he was the Lamb of God, our sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But you know what? Understand, Jesus is no longer on the cross. He's on the throne. He's gone from the cross to the throne. And that's where he is right now, ever living to make intercession for us. And we're going to get into that a little bit about when we get to the accomplishment of prayer. That Jesus, remember when uh, Jesus said to Peter, uh, Satan, he said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But I'm praying for you that your faith shall not fail. And after you have been restored, Go and minister or feed your brethren. In other words, the Word of God. You know, God is merciful and kind. He's full of compassion, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He's plenteous in mercy. Oh, isn't that great? Have you ever need... Have you ever needed plenty of mercy? Yeah, we all have at times. The Lord is plenteous in mercy and also redemption. Have you ever need, needed something you did to be redeemed? In other words, wiped out and replaced by something 
wonderful. Redemption. That word means in the Greek to buy back. Jesus has bought us back from the slave market of sin and shame, from guilt, condemnation. He's bought us out of depression. You know, there's an epidemic of depression. It has been for decades, actually. They say maybe over 40 million people take antidepressants, and I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not putting anybody down. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is the best antidepressant you could ever have in your life. Because once you learn how to walk in the Spirit, He breaks the power of every yoke of bondage. He breaks the power of every chain that the devil has ever tried to put around your life. He breaks the shackles and sets the captives free. That's the power of God. He says, it's not by might, it's not by power, man's willpower, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And you know, when you're in prayer, it releases the Holy Spirit to do all sorts of things in your life and also in the lives of the people you're praying for. I cannot tell you over the years, and I've, I've been a Christian a long time, that doesn't make me mature, by the way, but I have been a Christian a long time. So I've been around the block a few times and I've learned a few things. I'm not an expert on anything. I just try to love God with all my heart and be obedient to Him. But you know what? He's there for you to guide you every day of your life. All those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For He has not given us a spirit of fear again or a spirit of bondage resulting in fear, but He has given us a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Does that sound like defeat? Does that sound like uh, failure? No, it sounds to me like victory and triumph. And that's what the Holy Spirit will bring you into, and that's what the Word of God will bring you into. You know, people today, you know, I don't know, you know, they have different different teachings on different things, but I'll tell you what, I got free by reading the Word of God. I got saved when I was 24 years old, and I was very worldly, but I started reading the Bible, and, and the truth set me free. Jesus said it would. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That word know there, you shall know the truth, is gnosko. It means personal, intimate, knowing, knowing in your heart the truth. When the truth goes from your mind and drops down into your heart, then the revelation of things begins to dawn inside of you that you are who God says you are. You have what God says you have, and you can do what God says you can do. This is all part of prayer because prayer will make the things of God real to you. Paul said, I pray that 
uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Well, who is that spirit? None other than the Holy Spirit. I pray that he would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened or flooded with light in the Greek that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave Christ as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. How does he fill all in all? With the Holy Spirit. And yet, you know, religious spirits will fight that tooth and nail. Oh, you know, don't talk to us about the Holy Spirit, you know. What happened on the day of Pentecost was a one-time filling. Not really, and I could get into that with you. In Acts 4, the, the place was shaken after they prayed with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8, Peter and John were sent down to Samaria uh, and laid hands on people, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, Peter was sent to Cornelius' house, and the Holy Spirit fell on them, and he said, just as he did on us on the day of Pentecost. And then in Acts 19, Paul prayed for 12 people in Ephesus, outside of Ephesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit in spoken tongues. So people say, well, that's, that's you know, that's no longer, you know, that's that was a one-time experience, Pentecost. And, you know, it was only for them to start the church like we don't need the same thing they had. No, we need the same power that the early church had. Don't kid yourself. We need more of it in this day and hour. Well, thanks for being with us today. I want to pray a blessing over you today in the name of Jesus that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and that you would know the hope of his calling. See you next time.